You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network 95.7 The Game, please download the Odyssey app, download, rate, and subscribe to us there. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We're going to be getting into some comments about what George Kittle had to say about his quarterback, mm. about his head coach, about his season. Uh, also, some more rankings as we move forward towards the kind of um, post-draft pre-training camp rankings according to pff.com and of course we got some great stuff set up for you as well before we dive into the deep end mark my man how are you i'm doing all right evan um a little uh i don't know not feeling the great it's just everything that's happened in the bay area and i know those watching on on youtube they can see what shirt you've got on you've got the uh the green cell shirt you were at the reverse boycott over uh, i guess tuesday evening at the coliseum everything going on with the A's and the relocation battle to Las Vegas. I'm not even an A's fan. It's got me feeling a little bit frustrated. I, I can't imagine how you feel, Evan. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll leave it to you. I, I, I normally ask you how you're doing. I, I think I know how you're feeling about the A's. It sucks. It's terrible. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I'll just straight up ask you like normal. How are you doing? Well, I appreciate that. And I'm doing fine. I mean, <laughs> It is what I, it is at this point, huh? Well, I, I've made my peace with it. I mean, the A's have been rumored to move multiple times, sometimes in Oakland, sometimes other places. Yeah, it does appear. Uh, I think they still have one more bill to pass through. It's going to go through the governor's office. Uh, but, I mean, look, I don't want to spend too much time on this because yeah. this ain't a A's podcast, and there's <laughs> plenty of other coverage and other um, – avenues you can go to, to to learn about what's been going on uh but yeah but it was fun to be at the uh, the reverse boycott game and experience something that as fans has kind of been missing in the east bay for a while and that uh, a team in a organization like the 49ers has um not let happen i guess you could make kind of a parallel between you know the 49ers leaving the city of san francisco going from candlestick of course now to levi stadium but they're within an immediate range and so yeah. Uh, there are still some natives here in San Francisco who feel a bit betrayed by that, but it's not as if they can't just drive an hour down mm. and support their team. So um, I guess there, there's some parallels in that sense. But overall, I, it, my, my day hasn't been changed a whole lot. Oh, I'm good to hear that. It is. I mean, it is. A, it was a really cool thing. I watched it on, on television. I wasn't able to get out there, but it seemed like an awesome environment. Wish I could have been a part of it, uh, but the A's fans represented as they have done a lot throughout the team's time in Oakland. So happy to see that. Unfortunately, looks like it's coming to an end. Uh, but let's get on to some 49ers stuff, huh? Yeah, let's do it. And George Kittle was making sort of his media rounds earlier this week, and he was spotted on Good Morning Football. He's spotting on the Jim Rome show, and he's been discussing this season that is hopefully supposed to be a good one for the 49ers and talked specifically about the quarterback situation, which he is honestly a, a fan of, and I would hope he is, but he doesn't really have Mark. I guess this, uh, this perception that we all do that. There's a lot of question marks because <laughs> Brock Purdy is deserving to be the guy Trey Lance, George Kittle believes is quote starting caliber quarterback. 
And it didn't really mention Sam Darnold too much in that, but I'm sure if you asked him directly, he'd be kind of say the same stuff. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting to hear a guy that honestly looked a hundred percent different from Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, then to Brock Purdy later in this season, of course, when he racked up, I believe like eight touchdowns in six weeks and was a game changer on offense, much more so than beginning in the season. But what did you kind of make of his comments about the quarterbacks? Well, yeah, he's been doing the rounds. You're right. He's been all over. He was also on the Dan Patrick show and something that he said there, I think stuck out, stuck out to me more than anything else. Dan Patrick asked him, so do you think Brock Purdy is going to start week one? And Kittle starts answering, you know, yeah. And when you go eight and no in the regular season and your first eight starts and then Dan cuts him off. Like, well, I just mean health wise. Uh, and, and Kittle goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, I've seen him throw a couple of times. We're all good. He's, he's going to start and all that. So Kittle, uh, one, took the question the first way, just forgot about the injury or not forgot about it, just pushed it to the back burner like it didn't even matter. And he thought the question was, has he earned the starting quarterback spot? And he said to that, 100% yes. He won 8-0. and We are scoring 30 points with him, yada, yada, yada. And then Dan Patrick edited, revised his question and said, no, I, I mean his elbow. And, and Kittle almost laughed it off. Like, yeah, no question, no problem. Like, this is very, very obvious. Um, so I think it's good news for the 49ers that George Kittle is able to answer that way when it comes to the health of Brock Purdy. But I think it's also telling to how everyone, maybe not everyone, the vast majority of people, and at the very least, the important people, the decision makers, feel about this quarterback room right now, Evan. It is becoming very, very obvious to me, I think to you, I think to most of our listeners, I think to most 49er fans who are following this story, that unless something goes terribly wrong in these next couple of months, Brock Purdy is going to start the season as the 49ers quarterback. And and really the only thing that could delay that is the injury. But even that seems like it's unlikely at this point, given the way the 49ers are talking about it. Uh, so I think that's what stood out to me. Uh, Injury-wise, play-wise, everything seems to be pointing towards Brock Purdy, which shouldn't be all that surprising, I suppose, Evan, considering what we do know about the other options. But it is it is interesting to hear them say it with such certainty at this point of the offseason when there's still so much time until week one. Yeah, and, and look, as it pertains to Brock Purdy, uh, if I were George Kittle, I would want him to be my quarterback because whether it's due to the trust that Kyle Shanahan has in Brock Purdy as it pertains to play calling or just a familiarity and an immediate chemistry built between the two, he was a different tight end in the passing game, something that fans and media members, and I'm sure that even himself, have been wanting to get more involved in. We already, I think, identify him as one of the, if not the best, blocking tight ends in football. But through the year, there's always been kind of a want for more. And he set a very high bar for himself when his second season, he set the single season yards or re receiving record for tight ends. And since then... It's not as if he hasn't been effective in the passing game, but he just hasn't been as active. He's been blocking. He's been setting up other guys. He's been used as decoys. Um, but George Kittle with Proc Purdy was catching multiple touchdowns a game and was getting the ball deep, was yards after catch. I mean, if you just take a look at the last, I think it's the last four games of his regular season with Brock Purdy at quarterback, 
you know, you got two touchdowns for, for 93 yards, two touchdowns, a buck 20 against Washington, 23 yards, but another touchdown against Las Vegas, four catches for 30 yards and two touchdowns against Arizona. But the, <laughs> the depth, the actual, uh, as they call it, the a dot, the average depth of target when targeted was significantly different than the first 14 weeks of the season. And maybe you could say he got a bit of a slow start, started the year, hurt a little bit, banged up, and then got healthy as the year continued. But he averaged over the course of the season about six and a half yards when targeted. With Brock Purdy, that was much closer to eight and a half or nine. So it's, it, it, again, he is a guy that can hurt you down the field with his physicality, with his running ability, his yards after catch. And even now in the red zone, that's something that Brock Purdy unlocked in him. So if I'm George Kittle, not only am I feeling like, well, Brock Purdy did earn it, but also this guy's helping me. And there's a lot that potentially resides on this season for, for George Kittle as we're talking about futures in San Francisco. I'm sure he wants to continue to be a part of it. He wants to win. Brock Purdy is going to be helping him be that guy this year. Yeah, 100%. And even if it's even if it is coming from a selfish point of view like the one you're just laying out not not a bad thing by any stretch George Kittle feels like perhaps um Brock Purdy is more reliant on him or whatever word you want to use than other quarterbacks he's had in the past I don't know even if it is coming from that selfish point of view these compliments that is it is still just interesting to hear the difference with which he is discussing Brock Purdy and Trey Lance you remember what he talked about what he said about Lance a couple of weeks ago, it was, you know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Trey Lance looks quote significantly better this year as he did last year. Okay. That's great. At the time we talked about that, perhaps the most concrete um, compliment that a teammate has paid to Trey Lance since he's been drafted, or at least since he's been the expected starter after his rookie season when Jimmy Garoppolo was the team starting quarterback that year, the year they lost to the Rams in the NFC title game. But that's how he talks about Trey Lance. Again, a compliment, but there are levels to this. He says Trey Lance significantly better. And then when asked about Brock Purdy, oh yeah, he'll be the starter. No question about it. Injury, blah, blah, blah. Earned it performance. We score 30 points a game with him. We don't lose with him. Yeah. He's the starter. Uh, it's not undeserved. It's not unearned on Brock Purdy's part, but there is 100% and a, a very, very clear divide between how not, not just front office members and head coaches and members of the coaching staff, but down to the players. There's a very clear divide in how the San Francisco 49ers are talking about these two quarterbacks. It has become patently obvious which quarterback is preferred, which quarterback is expected to, to lead this franchise for years to come. It is not the number three overall pick. It is Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. Shouldn't come as a surprise right now, again, considering everything they have said, but it's becoming even more and more obvious just how stark the difference is in those walls in Santa Clara, between those walls in the Niners facility, how they feel about these two guys. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about the hierarchy anymore. I mean, it's it's Brock Purdy's number one, and then Trey Lance and Sam Darnold got to battle it out for for number two, number three. And if you want to throw in Brandon Allen, you know he's the the fourth or third quarterback. So, you know, I I think that's that's becoming clear and, and has been um, very quickly here in this off season. And honestly, I one that assuming health for Brock Purdy, I, I think should have been expected. 
but also, I mean, George Kittle, we talked about Trey Lance, the three areas that he highlighted were, you know, his, his confidence, his calmness, and then his health. So basically all three of them are improved. He looks like he's settled in and that's good to hear for a guy that again, had not played a ton of football. And so it does feel like even though it's taken some time, uh, those reps are finally at least starting to look like they're settling into the rest of this team, which is a good sign. The other part of some of his comments, Mark, were about Kyle Shanahan. And this was from a slow news day hmm. with Kevin Clark, who works for uh, The Ringer, I believe. And yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So he works for The Ringer and basically, you know, was talking about the key to Kyle Shanahan and his play calling can sometimes he, he plays possum. Like sometimes he'll use plays that are intended not to work. So he'll try a couple of running plays that are just going nowhere, you know, pick up one, two yards to set up the big play action play that will find Kittle down the middle or Ayuk on the outside or Juwan Jennings or, Christian McCaffrey out of the back, you know, who knows, but it, it was, it was, I don't know, kind of funny. I, I thought to hear a player under Kyle Shanahan literally tell the world that he throws some plays like intentionally in order to set up what he's hoping is going to be a big one. Were, were you shocked to hear that? Um, not really. I think it's a concept that's been out there and that a lot of football coaches use. I haven't really heard a player describe it in this way where, you know, Kittle says Shanahan calls plays purposefully that, that he doesn't think are going to work. And the point of this is you lull the defense kind of into a false sense of security. You run the same play two or three times in a row, or you call it four times throughout a, a first quarter and then you break it out for the fifth time or whatever the case is, you run the same exact formation, the same exact pre-snap movement, you know, and say say the play was a an inside toss to Christian McCaffrey to the right side. You fake the toss to the right side, and then you have Brock Purdy or whoever the quarterback is roll out on a boot to the left, and then you suddenly have an opening because the entire defense, they've already seen that play before, and every time it's gone on that inside toss to the right to the running back, and suddenly everyone is out of position. Um, I guess the way that it was described by Kittle surprised me a little bit, where, again, he's purposely calling plays that he doesn't expect to work. But this idea uh, is is in football everywhere. I remember a story from, from Chip Kelly's days at Oregon. Uh, those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm an Oregon duck. I, I would love to talk about Oregon any opportunity I get. He would He would call the same pass play like four times in a row, just a simple slant route. From the outside, gain five yards, whatever, incomplete pass, whatever. The same exact play, like three times in a row. And on the fourth time, they would run, run the sluggo, a slant and go. And the quarterback, whoever it was at the time, Darren Thomas probably, would fake on the slant route. And then the, the DB or the linebacker, whoever was covering him, would bite because they've run that play three or four times in a row. And then the wide receiver, as the, the DB or the linebacker is crashing down on them, runs the go part of the route where you just streak down the field. And guess what? He's wide open because the defense gets lulled into that false sense of security. It goes for a big gain, perhaps even a touchdown, all that jazz. So I think the concept in general isn't really all that surprising to me, um, but I've heard it, uh, you know, kind of in the, in the way of these are minor plays. You're still getting positive yards here and there. We're trying to turn it into a big gain now, 
But George Kittle saying that Shanahan purposefully runs plays that he does not think are going to work. That part is kind of surprising to me where you're purposefully trying to be bad for a play or two with the hopes of breaking it big later. The, the concept isn't anything all that new or surprising to me, but maybe that the twist that Shanahan is putting on it is a little bit. No, I don't think it's surprising, but let me, let me put it this way. Uh, that, that big play, that big play you're setting up better work. <laughs> yes. Like it's probably sacri- coming on like a third and 10. So. Yeah. If you sacrifice two downs and <laughs> trying to set up a big play, you, you better hit on it. And I think that's probably a big reason why Kyle Shanahan isn't comfortable with certain quarterbacks, <clears throat> Trey Lance, because you got to be able to hit those plays when they're there. And Brock Purdy did it more often than not last the last season. And maybe he feels like Sam Darnold can also help them in that category. If he has to fill in who knows, uh, but it, it's a very demanding offense. That is, uh, you know, as George Kittle talking about it, it's focused on creating the big explosive play, uh, which Rock Purdy did did often last season. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. That is Mark Randy. My name is Evan Giddings. Please download the Odyssey app, rate us, subscribe to us there, as well as wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, speaking of, well, Ch- Kyle Shanahan's favorite toy from last year, Brock Purdy. <laughs> uh, we talked about Mark on our last episode, the PF- PFF rankings, Pro Football Focus, Adam 23rd. There were also some other rankings distributed across the roster, and I thought it was kind of interesting. You, you pointed out the fact that overall, the roster PFF has ranked at number two in the NFL, right behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. There's also, of course, uh, some rankings, Trent Williams, number one in his position for tackle. Christian McCaffrey was ranked as the, one of the top three running backs in the NFL. Bebo Samuel was awarded the best uh, yards after catch receiver in the NFL for what that's worth. And then there was also some question marks at positions like offensive line. But uh, what, what, do, what do you think that they got right and wrong about their rankings when it comes to this roster? Well, I think 49ers are certainly a, a top five team in terms of talent on a roster so i think the 49ers coming in at number two that's certainly in the right range um i I don't really have much of a problem with that the eagles had a really bad start to this offseason they lost a number of guys in free agency and it looked like they were going to lose more and then kind of some miraculous things happened and they had a really good draft uh so them holding on to the top spot according to pff does not really bother me all that much. That's still a very talented team. So I, I'm not really going to debate the, the, the individual ranking for the 49ers as a team. Um, I think some spots where the 49ers maybe will outperform where they were last year, and this is something PFF lists as a 49ers weakness, uh, the interior of the defensive line. Obviously, Javon Hargrave is going to have a big impact there. But even that aside... You think of what the 49ers were dealing with on the interior of the defensive line last year. Eric Armstead was in and out of the lineup early and then missed a big chunk of the first half of the season. And even when he got back, you could kind of tell uh, he wasn't fully up to speed when the team was in the middle of that winning streak. It didn't cost them wins or losses towards the end of the regular season. Um, But you just got the sense he wasn't as effective as he was the previous year when he was really the key when he got moved inside to stopping the run, 
uh, freeing up Nick Bosa because he was demanding double teams. He was really the key. So I think even without Javon Hargrave, and that's a big guy to, to leave out because he's fantastic, but even with him, I think an area where the 49ers are going to perhaps outperform expectations, certainly outperform where they were last year, is the interior of the defensive line. And that is an area that PFF specifically has listed as a weakness. I'm not sure that's going to be the case this year, assuming health, which for the 49ers is a big if. Because if there was one weakness, I would point to about that defensive line. It is the depth there. They can't really survive much in terms of injury-wise, specifically on the interior. But those two starters on the interior of the defensive line, two of the best, in the National Football League. So I think that's going to be a big strength, contrary to what PFF might think. I think they got most of it right. I believe that both the defensive and offensive line they've identified, and I believe to be true, to be two top-heavy position groups. That's fair, yeah. And if you look at Trent Williams, who's the best tackle in football, maybe the best lineman in general, maybe the best offensive player, according to some rankings, uh, that's accurate. If you look at Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, along with Javon Hargrave, those are three monsters up front on your defensive line. But outside of that, the hope is that Drake Jackson can take a huge step this year. That is going to be important because outside of him, you're looking at Austin Bryant, Cleland Farrell, and beyond that, Javon Kinlaw might give you something, but I'm not expecting much. Uh, so, I mean, Mark, even outside of injury, if any of those players that, that I just named that are at the top of their respective position groups don't perform the way that we expect them to, that also hurts those two groups. And the, the one thing that I guess I don't want to say I, I've come fully around on, but is a bit confusing to me is the actual performance of the offensive line analytically. And then the eye test to me doesn't like it just doesn't match up because last season, I was kind of just going through some numbers and the passing grades for the offensive line were, I think, top five, certainly top 10 in the NFL last year, according to PFF. And as far as football outsiders, they have this metric that is supposed to evaluate yards created for run for runners. You know, how, how many yards can you produce before contact? How effective you are in the run blocking? All that good stuff. And the 49ers ranked fourth in efficiency in that category. Very good. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, meanwhile, has never had below, I think it's a top eight group in terms of running uh, by PFF. Last year, they were 10th. So that also included Mike McGlinchey, who's no longer here. Those numbers to me don't really add up. And so I'm not sure if they got it wrong, but I'm just curious. It, it seems to me like it's kind of however you want to view that offensive line is kind of up to you. I don't view it as a position of strength, but I'm willing to admit that that's just because the rest of the roster is absolutely loaded. But if we're talking about what they got right, I think the identification of both the O-line and D-line being more top-heavy than not and needing those guys to not only stay healthy, but also play up to their contracts and to what they did, have done in previous years, that is absolutely paramount for the 49ers. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely top heavy. Um, and and one thing about you're talking run versus pass blocking, McGlinchey's departure will definitely hurt the 49ers on the the run blocking side of things. He was very good. Definite, definitely his strength as an offensive lineman is run blocking. A lot of times you you see 49er fans on Twitter and 
at times deserved kind of poking fun at him for his inability to to stay upright when he's blocking for the pass. He'll get knocked down. He'll get beat. He's on his backside. He falls down. He slips, whatever the case is. Not the best pass blocking right tackle, but a very, very good run blocking right tackle. So perhaps you see the run blocking numbers continue to drop for the 49ers because, again, it, it wasn't fantastic last year. They were still top half. Um, but we'll see how that does turn out. One thing I, I do feel like we need to mention, uh, PFF, uh, when they're you know ranking the 49ers offensive line, they have them as the 18th best unit in the NFL, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. They did list the 49ers starting offensive line from left tackle all the way through the right tackle. Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, John Feliciano, Spencer Burford, and Colton McKivitz. So if, if that's the, the five that they are expecting to start, um, okay, maybe I can understand the grade a little bit more. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, in assuming health, assuming things don't go terribly wrong for the 49ers, John Feliciano will not be starting at center for San Francisco. It will be Jake Brendel, not to say that he's a superstar and one of the best centers in the league, but relative unknown before last year came in and and I think played up to, if not exceeded expectations a year ago, uh, logic would suggest he's probably going to at least continue that, perhaps be even better this year. Um, so I think that's an automatic boost already from what PFF is saying. Uh, John Feliciano is 100% not the team's projected starter. He is one of their rare depth pieces on the offensive line. He could kind of play all, all over the place, but he's not a starter, especially not a starter at center. Uh, so I just felt like I needed to point that out. PFF, uh, got the team's projected starting lineup wrong. And, and maybe that would have an impact on, uh, I don't know, their overall ranking. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I've also seen the, the, the list that we've discussed, uh, does have Jake Brendel ranked. I don't know if they have him ranked as the, the starter or not, but, um, yeah, no, that's, that's something definitely to, to take a look at. The 415ers are brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings with you. Please download the Odyssey app, rate us, subscribe to us. Leave some comments, feedback, anything that we appreciate as always. Um, Mark, as we move forward in the summer and close in on training camp, uh, they're, they're, I guess like trying to define a, a theme for this season is one that outside of the quarterback position I think is tough just because of how much – not uncertainty there is. We discussed how it feels like there is an established hierarchy to the quarterbacks, but there's still question marks for all three of them just because of lack of experience or, um, I mean, in Sam Darnold's case, not a whole lot of great tape. Brandon Allen's only been a backup, all that stuff. But the the theme and something that we've tossed around is this idea of being all in on this year. And I don't know how you define all in, uh, to me, they do not need to be all in on this season, but I do think it is very, very important. I think there is a, an inflection point coming at the end of this season that will reshape this roster, not wholly, uh, but I think drastically in some people's eyes. And so the, the question that we came up with was, are the Fortinators entering a no excuses season? And you brought up Debo Samuel and how his performance this season, there's no excuses for him now as opposed to last year when he talked about getting the contract and not being fully locked in and not being here at this time this past year. So do you think the 49ers have 
no excuses this season not to win and go deep in the postseason? This is a hard one um, because I think you look at most of the roster, you look at just about everywhere except for the quarterback position, and you think 100%, yes, this is a no-excuses season. San Francisco 49ers, you better get to the NFC Championship game at least. It's something they've done three of the last four years. If if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, this would be a great year to do it. But then I come back to the quarterback position. And regardless of who you're starting, Evan, we spent so much time this offseason talking about it. Which Quarterback, should they go with? If Brock Purdy isn't healthy, is it going to be Darnold or Lance? Whatever. Throw all of that to the side. What you have in your quarterback room is relative inexperience, small sample sizes, and in the case where those small sample sizes aren't good, bad performances. Um, So regardless of who you're playing at that quarterback position, I feel like that is a gigantic question mark still. The Niners feel very confident. At least they are making it seem like they are. They're saying outwardly they're very confident in Brock Purdy. They believe they've stumbled into the quarterback of their future, a guy that they want leading this team for perhaps a decade to come. Who knows what the future will hold, but that's what it seems like. But still, Evan, at this point, you really just don't know. I'm of the belief I I think Brock Purdy is more than just a flash in the pan. Now, does that mean he's going to be an MVP candidate? No, of course not. But it it doesn't seem like he's a guy who's going to just immediately fizzle fizzle out. And and you know his his eight nil run to start his career or whatever it was will be forgotten. But still, th- there is a question mark at that quarterback position. So I don't know exactly how to answer the question. I think for the most part, yes, this team doesn't really have room for excuses anymore, considering everything we've talked about. Uh, with the, the all-in-ness or whatever you want to call it of this season. But I just come back to the quarterback position and I can't quite go all-in or, or say that it would be a disaster if the 49ers don't make the NFC Championship game just because you are at such a disadvantage, at least on paper at this point right now, compared to all of the other legitimate threats to win Super Bowls. Everyone else has a legitimate star at quarterback and you're stuck in wait-and-see mode there. So it's it's difficult. I think for the most part, yeah, no excuses left for the 49ers. But if they fall short, it's not like I'm going to, to be entirely shocked or surprised considering who they have leading the team at quarterback. So there is an excuse. <laughs> I think. But... <laughs> The re- for the rest of the team, the rest of the roster, absolutely not. Again, they're the second most talented roster in the NFL, according to PFF. I don't think too many people would disagree or argue that all that much. Maybe a spot here or there, and that's even with relative inexperience and not much from your quarterback spot. It, I don't know. It's a weird dichotomy. I, I want to say like 95% of me is thinking, yes, no excuses. You got Kittle. You got... Bosa, you got Trent Williams, you got Debo Samuel, you got Christian McCaffrey, you have all of these incredible players, but in the most important position, there's still a question mark. There is, but Alec, I am not the biggest believer in Brock Purdy as it pertains to him immediately catapulting himself in a top five or even potentially top 10 quarterback discussions this season. The last year he played final eight weeks. Five regular season games, three postseason games. He played like a top 15 quarterback. 
if you do have the second best roster in football and prior to the NFL draft, many believed you had the best roster in football. If you are getting top half of the league quarterback play, then yes, there are no excuses. And what I mean by no excuses is you had better be in the NFC championship game. You had better be competing for a Super Bowl. Now, I know injuries happen and some funky stuff has gone down with the 49ers in year, years past, but last season showed me that this team absolutely can get to the big game. They can get to the Super Bowl. This year, I expect them at least to be back in the same place they were last year in the Final Four. To me, there is no excuse for not getting there because of, number one, how good the 49ers are, and number two, the the conference that they play in. And thirdly, if you want to throw in also the division that they play in, they're essentially guaranteed a playoff spot virtue of the NFC West being not very good. And the NFC, if you look at the amount of teams that are in the top 10, top 15 throughout the entire league, the AFC is where all the talent rely uh, resides. If we're looking at the Niners in the AFC, I wouldn't say they would supposed to they were supposed to be in the championship game i would say there's some excuses their names are the kansas city chiefs or the buffalo bills or the cincinnati Bengals. in the nfc it's just the philadelphia eagles if you're not the second best team in the nfc i'm sorry i i can't cut you slack there that's fair uh i hate to say it uh i will i will uh i'll just say it though and it pains me i would not sleep on the dallas cowboys this year uh they're going to be much better uh, they had a fantastic offseason. This is going to be a really, really good team. They will win the NFC East again, like like they've been doing recently. Uh, Last year? Okay. Well, well they're they're oh, okay. really I, okay. Sure. They're they're really good. And they had a fantastic offseason. Great additions at places where they desperately needed them, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive backs. They're going to be really good, but I, I agree with you. Your point does hold. I mean, at the the three legitimate contenders in the NFC are the two you mentioned, the Eagles and the 49ers. I will throw in the Cowboys there. We know it. I'm not a believer in the Minnesota Vikings, regardless, whatever. Um, those are the three. Um, but so still, I mean, if, it, if it's two, if it's three legitimate contenders, the, the point holds. I think Seattle will give the Niners a decent run for their money in the NFC West. But the, the flip side to that is the two other teams, the Rams and the Cardinals, have the potential to be two of the worst teams in the league. So you are guaranteed four games against relatively bad teams. Those should all be wins. You can figure out the rest later. I'm with you. For the most part, really not much excuse that this team shouldn't win the NFC West, that they shouldn't win at least one playoff game but it's just the quarterback room I can't get past just yet. Maybe five weeks into the regular season, Brock Purdy is killing it once again, and, and those fears are gone for me. And then suddenly I'm thinking 100%, no excuses. This team has to at least make the NFC Championship game. If they don't, major disappointment. This team needs to reevaluate things. Maybe I get to that point, but I, I just can't say I'm at that point just yet. Yeah, I don't expect them to win the Super Bowl because so many different things that could happen that can derail that. But yeah. to me, with how good they are everywhere, and I, I don't know if they're going to have a better roster beyond this season. Who knows? But there are players that are aging. There are players that they have to make decisions about financially. Um, there are players that might feel like, who who knows? And Kyle Shanahan's 
seventh season that, uh, you know, there's a ceiling to this ride with the 49ers. I don't know. I, I just feel like this season is extremely important. Not that their window of contention closes beyond this year, but this might be the last best chance yep. to do that. And you finally got a quarterback with some playoff experience in Brock Purdy. Winning as a rookie, tough to do. Second-year quarterbacks, however, Mark, there is a precedent for winning in your second season as quarterback. So that is not something they would have to buck, historically speaking. I, I just feel like, to me, the, the excuses beyond the Final Four, uh, I, I really, are, I'm not going to want to hear them at the end of the year. Um, especially if, if Brock Purdy can play near the level that he did last year. If he doesn't play any better than he did last year, they, they, they got to be right there. Well, yeah, and then the other side of this is, okay, let's say Brock Purdy struggles, uh, maybe to the point where they even go and, and they put Trey Lance in, whatever the, the situation is. Say the quarterback costs them a trip to the NFC Championship game, whatever whatever the reason is. Um, you can also still say, all right, Kyle, all right, John Lynch, that's not an excuse because you also chose this path. You were thinking it was going to be Trey Lance, uh, but you chose to try to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback on a rookie contract. That was the whole plan. That was the major idea. That's the reason why you're affording all of these contracts elsewhere. Um, again, it's it's not the quarterback they expected it to be, but it's really the, the same principle and the same idea. A young quarterback on a on a, a a cheap contract, not making a ton of money, allowing you to load up on contract uh, on talent and big contracts elsewhere. So even if Trey Lance doesn't pan out. Brock Purdy doesn't pan out. This was still the path the 49ers chose. And I guess with that in mind, if if that is the reason they fall short, the quarterback room, even if it didn't follow the exact path they thought it was, this is still the path and the plan that they laid out for themselves. And I guess with that in mind, you, you could, you know, would not accept them using that as an excuse and, and they would deserve a little bit of blame for that. Well, that's something we can talk about on our future episodes as that's going to wrap up this one for the 415ers podcast. Appreciate you tuning in to us twice a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. We are on the Odyssey app. Download, rate, subscribe to us there. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll be back next Tuesday. We appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>